Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. This week, I'm excited to be diving into a new series on Christ-centered mentoring. This is something we've talked about on this podcast before, but I want to unpack it in a series of about seven or eight episodes. Another way of expressing it would be how to effectively disciple others and point them to Jesus. So whether you're a mom, a friend, a sister, or someone who is in a mentoring position in someone's life, I pray that this series will equip you with biblical truth and practical insights that can really help you fast and others' souls to Jesus Christ. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that you can still save on registering for our 2023 Set Apart Conference, which is happening in June of next year. We'd love to see you in Colorado or anywhere you are via simulcast. It's an amazing, powerful weekend for women of every age. So if you're interested in joining us, this is a great time to register because you can get an early bird discount right now. Just go to setapartgirl.com and click on upcoming events or click the link in this podcast description. So let's dive into episode one in our Christ-centered mentoring series. And this episode is on living with eternal purpose, catching a vision for the calling that he has given each of us to change others' lives for eternity. It is very easy to get caught up in our own little world and make life all about us and live in a protective bubble and forget that we are not just meant to enjoy the blessings that God gives us for ourselves, but to turn outward and share that light and that hope with others. Sometimes we feel too busy. Sometimes we feel unqualified. Sometimes we feel that we don't even know where to begin. And that is what keeps us from saying yes to that calling. So in this episode, I want to cast a vision for what it means to live with eternal purpose and have that calling of impacting others' lives for eternity, always in the forefront of our thoughts, our actions, and our decisions. Let's take a quick look in scripture at various places where Jesus casts a vision for the calling on our lives. In John 15, 16, he says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And he says in John four thirty five, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. In Mark sixteen fifteen, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, it's easy to glaze over those verses as we're reading them and think, you know, those are those verses are for someone else, a more qualified Christian or as someone who's more heroic than I am. And yet we need to remember that as children of God, this is a calling he has given each one of us. We have been commissioned by the Most High God to build his kingdom, to go into all the world and shine his light in the midst of darkness, and to make a difference that is going to last for eternity. And this goes beyond just sitting in church every week and going to Bible studies every so often. We are called to change the world for his glory one life at a time, using the influence that he has given us in whatever circle he has put us in, whoever's lives he has given us to influence, to steward that for his glory. Are we taking that calling seriously? As I said before, we often shy away from that calling simply because it feels intimidating. We feel like we don't know if we can even make an eternal difference in someone's life. It's, it seems like such a big calling to many of us that we just oftentimes become paralyzed. But we need to remember that we don't need special qualifications to bear eternal fruit through our lives. We need a heart that is fully surrendered and available to Jesus Christ. And we need faith in a mighty and faithful God. 
as Hudson Taylor said, who was the father of modern missions. And he said, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. I love that because here was a man who did incredible things for the glory of God, but he acknowledges that it had nothing to do with him, but simply everything to do with his dependence on God. Gladys Elward is another great missionary that I've talked about on this podcast before, and I love what she said at the end of her ministry to China after she had radically impacted the country for the glory of God. She said, I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done in China. I don't know who it was. It must have been a man, a well-educated man. I don't know what happened. Perhaps he died. Perhaps he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Elward and said, well, she's willing. I love that because it's so humble and it's so true. We only need a willing, yielded, available heart for God to begin to work through us to impact others for eternity. Now, both Hudson Taylor and Gladys Elward did what we would consider big things for the glory of God. But can we live ordinary, everyday lives and still say yes to this call to change the world for the glory of God? Can we be homemakers or college students? Or if we work at a secular job, can we still live out this calling to live with eternal purpose? Or do we have to do something notable? Do we have to start an orphanage overseas or preach the gospel in a remote part of the world in order to fulfill the Great Commission? The answer is that we are going to change the world for Jesus Christ, not by trying to accomplish something big, but simply by taking one step of obedience at a time. So whether you're a homemaker, a stay-at-home mom, a high school student, a college student, if you work a very mundane job, whether you're bedridden or anything in between, your life can bear eternal fruit when you approach every day with that purpose of bringing glory to Jesus Christ. One of the most powerful ways to shine the light of Christ to this world is to point individuals to him through one-on-one discipleship. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. Discipleship means fastening another person's soul to Jesus Christ. That's a definition I love to give to it. It's pointing others to Jesus and showing them how to go deeper with him. It really does go beyond just mentoring, at least in the sense that most of us view mentoring. So even though this series is on Christ-centered mentoring, it's really about discipleship. Mentoring has become a popular word in a lot of Christian circles, but often it brings up these ideas of meeting someone in a coffee shop and being a life coach or a lovable big sister who gives friendly advice. But when you think about the life or death soul battle that people are living in today, they need more than just buddy-buddy advice. They need more than life coaching. They need the truth of Jesus Christ that sets free. They need life-changing discipleship. We're going to get into the practicals of true discipleship as we go through this series, but I believe the first step is to understand and respond to this calling on our lives to invest into others for eternity. If you have a burden for lost souls or for people in your life who desperately need truth, remember that burden is not there by accident. It's straight from the heart of God. He loves that person or those people even more than you ever could. And he desires to work through you to reach them with the truth that can change their lives for eternity. Another aspect of our calling as women is to realize that we have been specifically commissioned to disciple younger women. It says in Titus 2, 4, and 5, older women are to teach the younger women. And in the context of this verse, to teach means to lead by example. Even if you don't feel like an older woman, you can make an eternal difference in the lives of younger women at any stage in your life. 
A 13-year-old can have a great influence over a 10 or 11-year-old. An 18-year-old can be an example to a 15-year-old and so on. Or if you are older, if you're in your later years in life, you don't have to be at a specific age to really invest in the lives of a younger woman. You simply just need to be willing and say, Lord, make me an example to the younger women in my life. Depending on the season of your life, you might worry that you're too young or you might worry that you're too old. Women today are looking for godly older women who will love them, pray for them, disciple them, and invest into their lives spiritually. So whether you feel like you're too old, well, I can't reach the younger women in my life because I don't relate to what they're going through. Remember, they want to see Jesus in you. It's not a matter of you identifying with everything they're going through in their life or having had the same experiences. It's a matter of just pointing them back to Jesus Christ. So I'd like to walk you through a few practical ways to say yes to the calling that he has given us to disciple others, to point others to him, to fasten others to Jesus Christ. And the first practical is to approach every day with an expectant heart. There are two different ways we can wake up in the morning. One is to go on autopilot and just kind of go through the motions of the day. Or the other way is to be spiritually expectant. I know for me, when I get busy and bogged down with my own issues, I stop being spiritually expectant. But God has said that he has good works in store for us, that he is prepared in advance for us to walk in. And if we are spiritually expectant, we begin to see those good works on a daily basis. When we see every day as an opportunity that is filled with divine appointments and God assignments, we'll be living out that calling that he has given us without a big strategic effort. It will just be the automatic outflow of our lives. So throughout your day, be aware of any divine appointments that he's placing in your path and the unique prayer burdens that he's placing on your heart. And don't forget that no step of obedience is insignificant, no matter how small it may seem at first. We see this in the lives of so many Christians throughout history, that God can turn one simple yes, Lord, into fruit that will last for eternity. If you're going to be aware of the divine appointments that are all around you and approach every day with an expectant heart, one of the things to be on guard about is not being distracted. If you always have your phone in your face, if you are always scrolling social media, if you always have to have that digital stimulation, it's a lot harder to notice and recognize the divine appointments that God often puts right in front of us, sometimes even within our own homes and families. So approach each day expectantly with an undistracted heart, ready to receive the divine appointments that God has for you. Secondly, spend time on what matters. God has given us 24 hours in every day, seven days in every week. Every day is significant. Every hour is valuable to God. So we need to ask ourselves how many of those moments are being spent on things that matter in light of eternity. It's easy to lose sight of this amazing calling that God has given us to build his kingdom because we are just too preoccupied with temporal pleasures and distractions of our daily lives. So being eternally minded is what enables us to live with eternal purpose. It's what enables us to recognize the good works that he has prepared in advance for us instead of constantly being preoccupied with things that are not going to last for eternity. I would encourage you to prayerfully consider how you can spend more of your time on what really matters in light of eternity. It could be replacing social media time with prayer and studying God's word. It could mean using more of your free time instead of just on this and that to really be purposeful about sharing Christ in 
sharing truth with those that he has placed in your life. So whatever he pinpoints, be willing by his grace to replace a temporal focus with an eternal focus in everyday life. Third, step out of your comfort zone. Very rarely will God give you a specific divine appointment that is in your comfort zone. That is one thing I have recognized all throughout my years in ministry is that usually the ministry he has for me is not in my comfort zone. And part of that is because he wants us to remain dependent upon him. He wants us to remember that it's not about us and our abilities. It's about yielding to him, getting out of the way so that his power, his life, his love can come through our lives. I think I may have shared in a previous episode about a story I heard of an elderly woman who wanted to have a ministry. She had come to Christ later on in life, and she didn't really know what she could do to bring glory to God. She tried to volunteer to teach Sunday school, but she felt like she was too old for that. But she began to just pray that God would show her what he had for her. And one of the things he had for her was taking her out of her comfort zone. She happened to run into a Chinese foreign exchange student as he was passing by her house. She invited him in for a cup of tea and he was so excited to be invited into someone's home because he had been living in this country for I think about a year and no one had actually ever invited him over. So he was very lonely missing his own country and his family and friends back home. And she was able to just encourage him. And he was from a culture that trained him to respect older people and just glean wisdom from them. So he took her words very seriously. She shared a little bit of her testimony with him. And then the next day he came back and brought a friend, another foreign exchange student. And soon she had, I think it was between 60 and 80 foreign exchange students meeting at her home every week. Now here's an elderly woman who had never really been in any kind of ministry, but she simply made herself available to God. She stepped outside of her comfort zone and God used her mightily to impact these lives for eternity. We can never forget that what God calls us to, he equips us for. So the next time God places a kingdom opportunity in front of you, don't let fear or insecurity keep you from embracing it. When we remain dependent on him, we can be so confident that he will give us every bit of wisdom and courage and grace that we need to rise up to the challenge. So if mentoring or discipling others feels intimidating to you, remember that this is a great place to be because it keeps us dependent on him and he will equip us to do whatever it is that he has called us to do. I have been in so many situations where someone has asked me a question or I've wanted to share truth or speak truth into someone's life and I just felt very, very inadequate. But whenever I've cried out to God for assistance in those moments, it's amazing how he comes through. He gives me the words to say or the wisdom of what to do next so that his name will be glorified in that situation. doesn't mean I always feel great or confident about how a conversation went. But when I'm dependent upon him, that's when I see the most eternal fruit through anything that I do in ministry. And my last practical for you is to awaken to the mission fields that might be all around you. You know, we often over-spiritualize the idea of going overseas as missionaries, and we often see gospel work on foreign soil as more valid than gospel work here at home. But in reality, gospel work is so important in both places. So whether we're called to go overseas or stay right where we are, living with a missionary mindset is part of this calling that he's given us to invest in others' lives for eternity. 
And especially now, as we see darkness just flooding into our world, we are standing in the middle of a mission field, no matter where we are. There have been times in my life when I wanted to go overseas, and I thought that it sounded a lot more exciting and romantic to be a foreign missionary than to stay and disciple right here at home, and yet God made it so clear that my calling was to stay and invest right where he had placed me. So if God asks you to stay, it's not always just to say, well, I'm just going to stay and kind of twiddle my thumbs and kind of live my own life. He may be asking you to stay because he has a specific person or a specific group of people that he has called you to reach right here in your own backyard. Saying yes to God's calling to mentor, to disciple, to speak truth into others' lives, to change the world for eternity, it doesn't always look big or exciting. In fact, very often it doesn't. But once again, responding to his calling often means taking one step of obedience at a time. And you may not always see the fruit of your obedience right away. Sometimes you may not even see it until eternity. But we know that when we obey, we know that when we say yes to that calling, even if it's not glamorous and it's unexciting, if we know it's out of our love for Christ and out of obedience to him, he will bring eternal fruit through it. Biddy Chambers is a great example of this. She was the wife of Oswald Chambers, who is known for that book, My Utmost for His Highest. He died at an early age. And so Biddy, his widow, took all of his teachings. She had taken shorthand notes from all of his sermons and his teachings and began to compile them into devotional readings. And that's where the book, My Utmost for His Highest, came from. It was actually not a book that Oswald Chambers wrote. It was something his wife compiled of all of his teachings after he had died. But in her biography, it says that at the end of her life, if you were to look back, she rarely had a 24-hour period in which it seemed that she had accomplished something great for God. But the sum total of her life was a life that literally impacted millions, not only through sharing Oswald's words and insights with the world, but also investing into the individuals that God brought across her path every single day. It was truly extraordinary because she lived a very simple life and just sat there with her typewriter and translated his teachings into these books. And if somebody came over in need, she would stop what she was doing and have a cup of tea with them and speak truth to them. And she must have felt like, is my life doing anything? Is it making any kind of a difference? And yet, even today, I look at her example, and I'm so blown away at how powerfully God used her in an eternal way, because of her yieldedness and her willingness and that heart that says, Lord, I'm going to steward whatever opportunity you're placing right in front of me today, even if it's not big or exciting. Sometimes when we look at the mission field around us, when we think, well, how do I speak truth into people's lives when they're being shaped by this culture and the darkness of this culture? It seems intimidating. And this culture today often feels impossible to reach. I know I have people in my life that feel very out of reach because they are so entrenched in the lies of this culture. But we have to take our eyes off what the enemy is doing and put our eyes on the power of our God. Don Richardson, who wrote the book Peace Child, talked about going to one of the most difficult places in the world to preach the gospel. He went to a tribe in the interior of New Guinea where they had never heard the gospel and they valued treachery and betrayal and murder as the highest virtues in their culture. And he thought, how am I ever going to bring light to this culture? And yet God made a way. And that's what the book Peace Child is all about. 
Let's be inspired by this reminder from William Booth, who was the co-founder of the Salvation Army, one of the most powerful evangelistic ministries in the world. He said, go after souls and go after the worst. And the reason he said to go after the worst, those souls that people would say, oh, that person is hopeless. They're never going to change. They are so entrenched in sin and darkness is because when God would reach that soul for his glory, it brought such glory to the name of Jesus. It showed the power of God to transform a life, that it wasn't about people's efforts. It was about the power of God, that it was it spread like wildfire. And that's often where a lot of those old revivals started is when they saw the worst souls, those souls that felt impossible to reach, transformed by the power of God. So I'd like to share this quote from Catherine Booth, William Booth's wife, because it's such a practical way to begin saying yes to this call to live with an eternal purpose. There is one soul that you have more influence with than any other person on earth, some soul or souls. Are you doing all that you can for their salvation? Your relatives, your friends, your acquaintances are to be rescued from the depths of sin, degradation, and woe. Let them see the tears in your eyes, or if you cannot weep, let them hear the tears in your voice and let them realize that you feel their danger and are in distress for them. God will give his Holy Spirit and they will be saved. I love that because it's so powerful to realize that we have people in our lives right now today that we have influence with. And that is where God calls us to begin. Are we doing everything that we can to point them to Jesus Christ? Today, I believe it requires just as much sacrifice and willingness and courage to say yes to this call right where we're standing today than it does to go to the remotest part of the world to share the gospel. Because if we will not reach them with the hope and the light of the gospel, who will? If we pull out and say, it's too intimidating, I don't know how I'm going to reach them, how will they ever hear truth? If you don't know where to begin, start with one simple step of obedience, one conversation, even if it's simply prayer that God would show you what to do next. Remember that God can turn that one simple yes, Lord, into fruit that will last eternity. So in summary, as children of God, as daughters of the King, we are called to disciple, to lead others to Jesus, to shine his light to the world. If you feel weak and insecure when it comes to saying yes to living with an eternal purpose and pointing others to Jesus, I want to encourage you with this reminder from Mary Slessor, who was a missionary to Africa. She said, Lord, the task is impossible for me, but not for thee. Lead the way and I will follow. Why should I fear? I am on a royal mission. I am in the service of the King of Kings. And that is the same prayer that we can pray. My hope is that you will begin to look at your life and say, Lord, teach me how to live with an eternal purpose, to see the divine appointments you have placed right in front of me, and to be willing and available to say yes, Lord, even if it feels intimidating. That is where it begins. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. In the upcoming episodes, we'll go deeper into how practically to disciple and mentor others for the glory of God. Meanwhile, if you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live a Christ-centered life, I invite you to visit our website at setapartgirl.com and check out the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week. Thank you.